Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. Joining me today is Professor of Medicine, Dr. Kimberly Manning. Dr. Manning is a general internist slash hospitalist who serves as Associate Vice Chair of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the Department of Medicine at Emory University School of Medicine. Dr. Manning's academic achievements include numerous institutional, regional, and national teaching awards. She has a strong passion for building and strengthening diverse clinical learning environments, as well as cultivating psychologically safe learning climates. She serves on the board of trustees for the Arnold P. Gold Foundation and is on the editorial board for the Journal of Hospital Medicine. This Inglewood, California native is a proud alumnus of two historically black colleges, Tuskegee University and Meharry Medical College. She is a happily married mother of two teenage sons. She applies her lived experiences as a black woman, mother, daughter, wife, and community member to all that she does professionally. Kimberly and I talked about offering ourselves and those around us some grace. I don't think it's fair to hold people to a standard other than pandemic best right now. We just, we, sometimes that's all you have. While we are living through this moment in history, the stories we tell really matter. I, I try to create the things that I hunger for that I don't see. I tell the stories that I feel like I wish somebody would tell. During challenging times, if you want to be the best, you have to want the ball. I have been cultivated in my life from my parents to want the ball and believe that if I got the ball that I could win. And, and you know, once you start doing that, you do win. Dr. Kimberly Manning, it is a unique pleasure to welcome you to Hello Health today. I'm so happy to see you or hear you. <laughs> <laughs> This year and a half has been some of the hardest times of my life, as it has been for so many, and I thought it would be a great time to catch up with you because you always have a strong sense of faith that things will work out or at least make us more capable in the end. I sure try. (laughs) (laughs) What's it been like for you leading in medicine through the pandemic? Um, You know, I think it's been uh, interesting and surprising at times, but also just a time of discovery. You already mentioned that I'm a bit of an optimist, um, and I tend to walk into most things looking for places to find gratitude. Um, And though this has been a very difficult time, I mean, obviously, you know, working in a hospital, seeing the worst of the pandemic, um, I, I still find these these pockets of, of places to find gratitude. And, and it's really that watching people emerge, um, as their best selves, um, finding talents that you didn't know you have or, or talents that you had, but you did not know that they would be useful in this place. I think that's been the most surprising thing to me because a lot of the things that always sort of, I thought of as a part of my separate life that I never really thought would overlap with, being meaningful to fighting against the pandemic um, have proven to be some of the most meaningful things that I've done. And and that's been a really neat thing. It's been really hard to watch my colleagues look so tired. I don't know if you would remember telling me you will know who you are when you're who you are after call. That's who you really Mm -hmm. are, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, Mm -hmm. you're just so tired and you're either going to be a person of faith and you're going to be kind Mm -hmm. or you you Mm -hmm. can be the opposite. 
right? So right, right. You are you are watching these young physicians in training deal with such a, a, a difficult time where everything they thought they knew doesn't matter much for right now. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I think, you know, again, I, I think, well, how how amazing is it that you um, are here at a time such as this and that you are the person uh, that, that our patients get to see and trust in this time? Um, figure out what you need to replenish yourself. And, and I, I honestly, sometimes we just don't have enough time to, to fully replenish, but, 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 but put that on the, as a line item on the list of things to do um, so that you can go forward and, and do this work. Well, I, I, I see it more as a privilege, you know, I feel like it's a privilege for me to walk into Grady hospital and for me to, you know, sit across from a patient and talk to them about, my fears and their fears, and allow, allow that learning to be bidirectional. So, I just think there's so much um, for those of us working in healthcare to be grateful for, um, and also to learn um, as we watch our patients and how resilient they are, and how amazing they are able to push through some some serious adversity. From that lens, I mean, this is a really historic time in medicine. I've mm-hmm. never thought that a vaccine could be developed that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, never believed such uh, creativity scientifically. And so some of the best in human nature is coming mm-hmm. out. I just don't think it gets much press. And so I just really thank you for living through and leading through these mm-hmm. historic times. Um, we'll look back on this moment, right? And hope <laughs> that we showed up <laughs> like we thought we would. Uh, it's just yeah. that... Yeah, you never think you're going to do that, right? You look back right, at like I, World War II, right, and think, right, right. How did they do it? Oh, they did it like this. <laughs> yeah, and I think sometimes I don't. I, I try not to um, think so much about me as a leader and what it means me. You know, I, if anything, I almost like to imagine uh, me and the residents, or me and the patients, and the interprofessional team members as like in a big huddle. And, you know, we're all in the huddle together and we're about to clap out of the huddle and just go run um, out onto the field together. Right. I like that idea because when I when I imagine myself as the one standing in front of the team and, you know, with the clipboard telling them what to do, um, that that also doesn't give me the opportunity to to be a learner, um, to to take a moment to value the, the insights of other people who may not be at my level. Um, it, it also flattens the hierarchy some to let people say something and, you know, pipe up and come up with an idea that might not have been my idea. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. It it takes, it it always takes me off guard when somebody goes, how does it feel to be a leader in this time? And I'm like, look, I'm just glad to be here. (laughs) I'm just glad to be here. I am privileged. I'm honored to be here. I'm tired too. Um, but I, I do feel like there are some aspects of who I am that, um, that it it feels like I'm 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 where I'm supposed to be. It was so cool, but not at all surprising to see you as a speaker at the National American College of Physicians Conference. So that is my professional society where I'm a fellow, and I, I love what the ACP has been doing through the pandemic to help keep me educated. Um, what's that experience like at a time when the Delta variant has us back on edge, and we're looking to yeah. you to learn what you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think what I loved the most about speaking at the ACP meeting was that 
I was allowed to speak about whatever I wanted to speak about. And to me, I was like, well, you know, I really feel like I've arrived if I can show up as my entire self um, on a stage that large. And, you know, my entire self is I'm a, I'm a black woman from Inglewood, California. I'm a descendant of um, survivors of, sla- of slavery, um, which is a, a very clear part of my identity that I, that I point out. And I'm a graduate of not one, but two historically black colleges. And I was able to say that um, nationally at the ACP meeting. And my talk there was really about the idea of what it means to broaden your life lens, opening your eyes to see beyond your own lived experience, because our, our world primarily has been a white heteronormative world um, that has been pr- driven predominantly by men. Right. And so um in order for us to do this work better and to reach our patients, but reach our communities and to build trust and be seen as trustworthy, we have to broaden our life lenses to include more than just what we see in our day-to-day life. And that goes for me too. Um, and, and that's what I enjoyed about giving that talk is that like, Hey, y- yeah, I, I do have these, these lived experiences. Um, but sometimes they cause me to center only on my community and there may be, things where I need to relate to my patients in a particular way where we do not have racial or religious concordance or some other concordance. Um, but if I broaden my life lens and I, and I expose myself to as many people as possible, there will be ways that I can affirm my patients and my community members so that they feel seen. What a wonderful message. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I, I want to pivot just a little bit because okay. It's not just the pandemic, right? Yeah. This past year saw working mothers, the, the two of us included, mm-hmm. especially moms of young children suffering from very high stress levels, dropping mm-hmm. out of the workforce in droves. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for us moms who need a break? I know you need one and I need one, but there are these other ones that are really suffering right now. <laughs> As you know, I'm a crier. <laughs> oh, don't cry. And I'm crying too, by the way. I started I, crying. <laughs> that, bring, <laughs> that brings me to tears because the hardest part of the pandemic for me has been as a mom. My sons are in high school and um, now they're in high school. And, you know, work was going fine. Actually, it was tough, but it was going fine. But I would come home and I would feel like I was failing my kids. Like I, I just couldn't quite get it right, right? Particularly my my son who was in eighth grade at the time. And the best advice I got came from a teacher who extended me such grace um, that it, and and I didn't even see it coming, right? So I had this parent-teacher conference and I was dreading it. My son was not doing well. I was like, okay, I had all my language together about how I'm going to support him and I'm going to do this and I'm going to get him a tutor and yes, ma'am, and all this. And, the, and this teacher paused and asked me, how are you, Dr. Manny? And it wasn't her asking me in that, you know, performative, thank you for your, you know, support healthcare hero. She was asking me as a woman how I was doing. And what she said to me was, I've known your son since sixth grade. He's a great kid. You're here at this meeting with me on Zoom. You showed up. And you know what? Sometimes we just have to do our pandemic best. And so, you know, why don't we look at ways to help your son do his pandemic best? And I was like, it was like a, 
just a aha moment for me. I thought, oh my gosh, I I I just need to do my pandemic best. And she even went on to say, I don't think it's fair to hold people to a standard other than pandemic best right now. We just we sometimes that's all you have, right? And so ever since I heard that, you know, I walked out of that meeting. I actually cried in the meeting with her and she was just so patient and she said, it's okay. But she reminded me of who my child is. She reminded me that my child is cherished and that most kids, that's the main thing they need is to be cherished and to feel like they're in the front of your thoughts. Um, But the same goes for ourselves and for our patients and for the people in our communities, like, man, we have got to extend that same grace to people when all they have is a pandemic best. And so that that is probably one of the, the best and most affirming things I heard in something that I was dreading. I was dreading it with all my might. I was like, oh, my God, I do not, you know, and and that's language that we use around our home now. We talk about, you know given your pandemic best. It's it's okay if today is a rough day. It's okay if you feel a little disconnected from your friends and bummed that everybody has on masks. Um, I get it. Mommy feels the same way, but we just got to give our pandemic best. Wow. So you, I, I have a runny nose and I'm, I'm sobbing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think that just, uh, releases me too because wow, these these historic times are just just one foot in front of the other. So many days, yeah. so yeah. many days. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I've been worried about our teachers coping too, and hoping they won't drop out of the workforce, and hoping yeah. that people on the front lines can just keep going. How do we find that strength? Is everyone's yeah. kind of asking. You know, I think I'm going to just bring this up. When we first met, I was your third year medical student, and it's hurting me to say Kimberly instead of Dr. Manning, but I'm doing it. You were actually pregnant with your second son. I think it's the son you were just talking about, who's now a teenager. And it's just hard to believe so much time has passed and Mm -hmm. how fortunate I've been to be in your sphere in different ways. You do know, you're actually the reason I dared to get pregnant with my mm. first daughter when I was mm. a resident. So I was a third year mm. resident when Jaya decided to come into the world. And I actually <laughs> thought, well, Dr. Manning will believe I can do this. So one foot in front of the other. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And and there's never a good time, right? It's, <laughs> it's really not at never a good time. <laughs> so if I you're mean, waiting nowadays, for that moment. Yeah. Yeah, well, nowadays it's like not that unusual, I guess, for women to be pregnant. But I remember being surprised that you were doing it and you were so Mm. energetic. Uh, Managing (laughs) motherhood and medicine was already hard. And I think the pandemic made it so different than what we imagined it would be. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the biggest test of our lives, right? You know, we, we we are... you know, as, as doctors, we are just inherently going to be those gunners who want to get an A on the test. And to me, um, being privileged to be the mother of my children and, um, and, and, and wife to my husband, Harry, I just think like, this is the most important test of all my tests, you know, more than anything, I want to get this right. I want to nail this. I want to, you know, 
be on the dean's list of moms. You know what I mean? Um, I do. And so I think, you know, the pandemic, I think, really challenged that, right? Um, but but again, this this habit of, of gratitude, um, I in some of the toughest times, I would think, well, you know what? The reason why I know my child is flying on one wing is because he told me. And what a blessing it is to have a kid who is a teenager who sits next to me on the couch, leans his head on my shoulder and says, I'm not doing good, mom. I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm trying, but I'm not. And I just, I don't know what it is. And I think, wow, you know what? My kid is talking to me. My kid trusts me. And and hey, you know, I, I have got to get over, you know, my own pridefulness, right? About seeing what your grades look like so that I can flex, you know, as your mom, right? <laughs> um, because there is something, a piece of that, you know, that that I had to get over um, and say like, hey, it's it's really, it's really okay. Um, and And where can I find gratitude in this? Where? So, well, I like what yeah. I like what you're saying there. Where I think you know, people will say, "Oh, you're such a good mom." Someone else will tell you that, or yeah. my husband, who you know quite well, will tell me, yes. "You are such a great mom." Yes. But it's not the same as telling ourselves, "My kid is listening to me. Good job, mom." My kid yeah. is, uh, you know, try trying his or her best, and mm-hmm. that's all I can ask for. And it's evidence that I'm doing it right. Yeah. This is the hardest job I've ever had. I swear to God. Yeah. Most of it's because the feedback you have to look for for yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's also a time where, again, you know, we're falling short too in the pandemic, right? So yeah. I, yeah. Um, my, my kids got to hear me apologize to them, you know, for having a short fuse and for, yeah. you know, my, mommy my older needs son. a second cup of coffee, yeah. guys. Like, exactly. Don't talk yet. And I'm being critical of them and, you know, my 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 um my older son um said to me the other day, um, he he said you know he asked me a question and what I said back after a very busy day was kind of snarky and he's like you know I just asked you a question I didn't it wasn't an invitation for you to come for me, and I stopped and I looked at him and I said you know what I said to you was rude that was not cool I'm sorry, and he was like yeah that wasn't cool mom but yeah it's okay I said do you accept my apology he said yeah so we we also use the language of um, being accountable for when we fall short. Um, and and I did not grow up, my parents are amazing people, but I did not grow up hearing adults apologize to me for, for, for little things. Like it would have to be something really big for an adult to apologize. But if I say something to you and it comes out rude or, or it is not affirming, and my goal as your mom is to have you walk out into your day feeling affirmed, you don't need me to you know, pick you apart or be a hater. Like your mom is a hater. That's not cool. <laughs> so I, I, I like um, that our, our kids, again, feel comfortable calling us out about things like that wasn't cool, mom. That that wasn't that wasn't right. And I'm like, you know what? That wasn't right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just get, giving ourselves some grace that oh, there's there's today and then there's like what we had in our heads, how we show up. But I do need yeah. the second cup of coffee, I will say. It's like just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's your fault. You need to don't talk yes. to me until I drink this cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And and, and um, especially if I have not had restorative rest. <laughs> <laughs> Early on in my medical career, 
I was told good physicians are actually great listeners. Uh-huh. And I've forgotten who said it, but I'll never forget. Listen to the patient. She is telling you the diagnosis. Yep. yep. You really epitomize that concept for me. I think that it extends to kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, um, the, the, the people behind StoryCorps, one of the things they say is listening is an act of love, right? And so oh. I, I, I think that one of the, the kindest things that we can do for somebody is as they talk, listen. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, so it, it, it sounds really nice to imagine myself as always being this great attending physician who was awesome when she was pregnant and who always did the that right thing. That is who you and, were. Uh, right? Yeah, that but is. No. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> but, but, but some of what I've learned has come from, you know, being called out, um, kind of similar to what I said about my son. You know, there was a patient at Grady one day um, and I and I came I was looking in the chart to see if the patient had gotten um, a particular test that I wanted her to get. It was an echocardiogram. And um, I, 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 she hadn't gotten it. And then in the note, it said, patient refused. And I was like, oh, man, I need that information. So I go back to her room. I had a good relationship with her. And I was like, hey, you know, miss name I will not say. Um, you, you know, you didn't get your, your echocardiogram. You refused it. She was like, I told you I already had that test done two months ago. And I was like, you did? And she was like, yes, I told you that. But you were doing that thing doctors do where she called me right out. She's like, where you, you, you look like you're listening, but you're just planning what you want to say next. And oh if you had listened goodness. to me, if you oh. had listened to me, you, I would have, you would have known that at that other hospital, I had gotten that test and it was just no point in me doing that again. And I didn't want to take my shirt off and do all that. And sure enough, I went to the computer and, you know, we have um, in our electronic medical record, a way to see what's happening at some other hospitals. And, and right there, you know, eight weeks ago was her echocardiogram. And, you know, she, she, she flat out told me, you know, talk when it's your time to talk, but listen when it's your time to listen. And, and, and I, you know, a lot of the wisdom that I get from the Grady elders, it just kind of translates into my life because I realized how much I was doing that. Right. Especially if you love words, right. I'm a lover of the lexicon. So I like words. I like talking. So, so sometimes someone is talking and you are just planning, planning what you're going to say next and you miss everything that they said and I had I had a bad habit of that and so her her telling me that it really slowed me down and I and I tend to do particular things like I'll take my hands and I'll rest them on my lap if I'm seated I'll make sure that my movements are slowed down and and I coach myself to listen to what the person is saying I try to look at them between the eyes or I try to study their eyes or their face or something um, so that I will not be planning my next move um, and missing all the good stuff. Wow. It's a skill listening. It it's, is. It's, it, we have to practice. And with so much going on, it's so easy to think ahead of, of everyone, yeah. my kids, my patients. But I'm going to practice putting my hands in my lap, Dr. Manning. <laughs> It's it's also an unselfish act, right? Listening. It is. It is. It's a loving, a loving skill that we all can learn if we just practice. Yeah. It seems to me you collect stories like that one. Maybe it's just like the way you are. Is it just part of 
being for you? Like you collect stories? Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I come from a family of storytellers. So my, my dad always loves to like tell us about something that happened or what a cousin did. And I didn't realize it was storytelling then. Um, but again, over time, you know, I just started to, to appreciate how much there is to learn from a story, you know, you know, for those, you know, regardless of what faith people follow, you know, the, the Bible is filled with parables, right? Stories that underscore lessons. And, you know, I think that stories, they, 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 they show much better than we can tell sometimes. Um, so I, I like that. And, and in the pandemic, you know, a lot of the, the work that I've done has been centered around storytelling, just telling the stories of people that I've talked to in the community, um, specifically about, you know, vaccines and um, vaccine deliberation. But those stories have have shined a light for, for other people to see that, oh, wow, you know what? Black people are not a monolith. Oh, you know what? Somebody might say no because they don't like needles and it might not have anything to do with some some you know misinformation or whatever narrative you have assigned to them. So it's been a way to, again, help broaden people's life lenses through stories. So you publish in top journals these stories, okay? Because I read them and I'm like, oh, there's Kim again. <laughs> Is writing an outlet for you? Yeah, I I, yeah. I write, you know, um, you know, voraciously, you know, and um, sometimes I I just need to write, um, and you know, the probably my my, my biggest inspiration um, comes from. Toni Morrison, who, you know, I, I can't necessarily say she's my favorite author, but she's she said something that convicted me that has always made me write. And it is um, that when she wrote her book, The Bluest Eye, um, at the age of 39. So women listen to that. You know, her first book was at 39. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She wrote the book. She said it was the book I wanted to read. And, um, and instead of her thinking of herself always as an author, she thought of herself, um, as a consumer of what it was she was talking about. So, you know, I, I I try to create the things that I hunger for that I don't see. I tell the stories that I feel like I wish somebody would tell. And I send the, the stories to journals that I'm like, man, I have not seen this anywhere. And I wish somebody would say this, um, in this way. And if they say no to it, fine. But if they say yes to it, it affords people, you know, a new glimpse, um, particularly into people who look like me. And a lot of the things I write about relate um, to my identity. They really resonate with me. And speaking of other stories that you tell, now I get to listen to you tell stories <laughs> on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so great. I'm like, oh, there's her voice. Every time I think I can't do it, I'm just going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, what was the impetus? Really, the human doctor? The human yes. doctor? Okay. Yes. So, um, so what's the whole thing? <laughs> yeah. So the human doctor podcast, um, it, it, it is a podcast between uh, myself and another um, black woman, a physician. Um, her name is Ashley McMullen. And Ashley actually is somebody that is several years junior to me uh, in medicine. She had just finished her chief residency out at UCSF when I was there as a visiting professor a few years back. And I met her in a, like a 30 minute meeting, but we, we stayed in contact. And then over time we recognized that, you know, we don't always see people like us. Um, so, and also people don't get a chance to see 
the loving interaction that happens between uh, women like us, right? Being them, yeah. their complete selves, but also working through this space. So, so Ashley um, identifies as a, a black queer woman, right? And and here I am, you know, a fifty-one-year-old mom of two, who's cis and head, and um, live, has, has lived a very different life experience than her. But we come together, and the rule is really that we we aren't performing we just talk um like as we, as two girlfriends would on the phone and we have some structure obviously but um what what starts to slip out though right are, are the things that come out when you're comfortable when you're safe right, right. that african american right. vernacular girl i know yes. that's right you know stuff like that right <laughs> um and those are things that you know in our in our world unfortunately we, you know particularly in medicine and in the places where we are at UCSF and Emory where many times People have to come to work and use all their cognitive effort on code switching. And um, we wanted to normalize, you know, black woman magic. <laughs> Basically, yes. we're like, look, Amazing. we out here. Um, we doing it. You know, the senior one is a is a full professor. The junior one is an assistant professor. And you know what? She's going to become a full professor someday. That's right. We, That's we out right. Here. It's reassuring <laughs> to have y'all in my ear and to have more Black women on the air. So you are breaking yeah. records, not just by being one of the very few full professors, right? Yeah. But also being out on the air and publishing the way that you do and talking the way that you do. It's been so magical for me having you as a mentor all of these years. Mm. Well, you know, I would not let you say those nice things about me without reflecting back to you, um, like many people probably feel, um, there is always like a safety that people feel um, when they hear you talk. Your voice is soothing. It's been that way since you were a medical student. Um, but you are an exceptional listener and you always have been, and perhaps you still continue to work at it, but you listen with your whole body, your face, your eyes, everything lights up. <laughs> And it encourages people to cry in front of you like I just oh, did. I'm so sorry. It makes me cry too, in all fairness. Now is a great time for a short break. Um, I'm going to okay. stop crying and we'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Did you know? Women only have about 15% share of the voice distributed by main media. Last year, only 21% of top charting podcasts had a female host. This is because we need more ratings and reviews. We need you. This is the only time we'll ever ask you to stop listening. Hit the pause button. Take the time right now to rate and review us. Help us change the stats. That way, we can be here when you're ready to listen again. My guest today is my mentor in medicine and motherhood, Dr. Kimberly Manning. Kimberly, you wear so many hats, not just in your personal life, but also in your professional life. How do you keep your amazingly positive energy so high? Ooh, yeah. Um, so first, uh, by acknowledging that there there will be bad days sometimes, and and days where you know it's it's not perfect, and to afford myself that. Um, but uh, I, I I I try to do things that nourish my soul. Um, I'm very intentional about relationships, and so I 
you know, I, I have learned, particularly in the pandemic, that I pour into relationships and those relationships that, that sap me, um, I, I redefine them. Um, for my wellness. Um, and that's okay. That's okay to do. It doesn't mean I have to, you know, declare you a terrible person. I just can redefine how much contact I have with um, certain people. I write um, and um, I, I exercise. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, running 2021 miles or anything <laughs> like that. But, um, but, 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 um, but what, I, what I do do is I have some good accountability partners that help me and you know the new thing I'm doing, right? No, what is it? You should it? know this. The new thing I'm doing, you thanks sleeping? to Hello Health, <laughs> is I am getting sleep. I'm getting restorative rest. And let me tell you something. I have been the person who has eye-rolled at all the talks about sleep ever since I first heard Carmen say this to me. I'm like, girl, I'm one of those people. I, I can crush it with six hours. I'm telling you, some people just only need six hours. <laughs> and OMG, I started this whole process of, you know, winding it on down and I do fall short some days, you know, on busy weeks, but, um, that has probably been one of the most transformative things that I have experienced in probably the last six months for my health. It, it makes me feel better than any workout I've done, any training that I've done, anything that I've eaten, any change to my diet, sleep is the jam, <laughs> especially when it like stacks up over like a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm like, yo, and this is how everybody else feels. Yeah. yeah, yeah and I, I, really, I was not paid to say this y'all. I'm telling you. And when I first started doing it, I was texting Carmen y'all. I was like, Oh those my gosh. Those are great texts. I love those I texts. Was like, <laughs> but, but, um, but you know, when we talked about listening to people, I realized how being tired it, it, it impacts my ability to concentrate on what people are saying. And when you are working with really sick patients in a hospital, you need to be able to pay attention, you know, without 200 cups of coffee. So I, I dial my coffee down a lot more and I just started getting more rest. So I, I think that doing things for me is, is really important. And I try to surround myself with people who are kind to me and who, who nourish my soul and the people who are in a place where they cannot do that. And oftentimes it's maybe because they, they're dealing with their own difficulties. I permit myself to redefine those relationships. Okay. So Kimberly, is it wrong that the only thing I heard you say was that you're a regular <laughs> listener of my podcast because yes, I was I, too excited? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love your podcast. I really do. I love it. That I, is I do. awesome. And, and you know what, you know what's, what else is funny is that, um, you know, you, you, People who um, engage with me on social media know that I often, you know, tell about things that I enjoy and that I like and all that. But I don't, I don't, I don't say things like that if if it's not true. I, I am a, I'm a podcast snob, and I and I listen to quite a few podcasts. Um, but the ones that do not nourish me because I just don't have a lot of time, I don't keep listening. And um, you know, I have really, I mean, particularly the, the the sleep piece that that came directly from this podcast. It was a recommendation. You kind of talked through how to do it and you provided some tools and I looked at it and I was like, child, let me just try this and see what Carmen's talking about. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, I'm so changer. glad you mentioned that because I actually <laughs> just created a new um, free downloadable, how to wind down so you can sleep. 
So yep. I, I have yep. a new a new PDF. I'm going to stick it up on our website, y'all. I hope you'll check that one out. And yeah. I'll let everybody who's part of our newsletter know when it's when it's there because sleep is the jam. Just to quote yeah, it Dr. Is. Kimberly it's Manning, the jam. sleep is the and, jam. <laughs> and my wind down, you know, because the piece, the, like, you know, I've been out here like as a sleep evangelist now telling people... <laughs> <laughs> Particularly, no, the, the the wind down piece. So I have to tell you all this so that um, Carmen knows I was a, a good learner. Y'all listen, the, <laughs> pe- the piece where you said um, um, that, that 30 minutes before you go to sleep to do only things in service to yourself and no one else, that was the hardest part because I've never had any trouble falling asleep I, or staying asleep, except at the beginning. You know, we talked about that, but 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 this idea of me not sending emails to teachers, not responding to emails to medical students up until the minute I fall asleep, that, that 30 minutes for just me. So um, our, one of our mutual friends, um, Kali Bea, she she gave oh, me this book, shout Tools out, of Kali. Titans, <laughs> this book, um, Tools of Titans. And um, I get in the bed and I take out Tools of Titans and it has a whole bunch of little short pair, um, short chapters and I'll read a chapter and tools of titans and you know i'll be like okay that's boss okay i'll try that and then, <laughs> and then i and then i take my little moment of you know reflecting on on what i'm what, my day you know thinking about what was good in my day and what i'm proud of that happened in my day and then i turn off all the lights and i go to sleep and my family had to get with that cuz they they were not used to me going to sleep as early as i go to sleep they you know so it also um the other piece i would just um i, I learned is that you have to change the expectations of the people around you because when they're used to you having another hour and a half you do a whole bunch in that hour and a half you fold up clothes you pack lunches you do all kinds of stuff um and you know for me it ended up being like two less hours because that 30 minute wind down period is has to be for me so honey yeah <laughs> sleep is the jam <laughs> I love it that you're still doing it so it wasn't like yes. you did your experiment and found out how good it made you feel but you kept going so you were able to maintain well, the, the you know, change you know what the, the gag is this what, what you don't tell people Carmen is that once <laughs> you do it if you stop so if you get two weeks worth of seven and a half to eight hours a night and then you try to get six hours, even for two days, you feel terrible. I'm you sorry, feel absolutely I forgot. I left that terrible. one out. Yeah, so then you're stuck with this new life. You're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I was on the hospital service and I was like, you know, studying and reading. And I just, oh man, I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. <laughs> oh my gosh. You've always found ways to bring your full self into every room I've seen you walk into, including a Zoom room. Okay. So are, are you a natural born leader or is there a secret? Uh, you know, I, yeah. I grew up cherished, you know, and I, and I, mm. with parents who listened to what I had to say and who put me in places where um, I could try out things and I could fail and I could develop a growth mindset. And so I do think that from the time I was a kid, I believed that what I had to say was important. And I thought that um, I could I could do a lot of things. Um, and so, you know, sometimes when I talk to people who want to become doctors, they're like, oh, if I could just, I, it never occurred to me that I would not be able to become a doctor. Now, what kind of doctor I am or what that will be like, and there were, of course, like a lot of hiccups and stuff along the way, um, but I try to go into most things believing that I'm. it is possible for me to win. Like, why not me? 
And I do think you need that to be a leader because, you know, my, my husband often says, you know, it, you know, it's one thing, you know, to be on the team and it's one thing to even be calling plays, but when the buzzer is about to go off and, and it is two seconds left on the clock, do you want the ball or not? Um, I want the ball because I, 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 you know, I work at the things that I do and I, I think that it's, I, it, there's as good as a chance with me as anybody to, for us to win. Um, and, and sometimes you'll shoot and you'll lose. But you definitely lose if you don't shoot. So <laughs> I want. I, I think the way to put it is, I, I want the ball, and I have been yeah. um, cultivated in my life um, from my parents um, to want the ball and believe that if I got the ball, that I could win. And and you know, once you start doing that, you do win. Yeah. Wow. I love yeah. it. And I love playing <laughs> basketball too. So <laughs> I'm not good at basketball. I'm terrible. That's funny. But that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, how do you feel about giving us some action steps for today? What can we do to help ourselves be full and support our positive outlook? Besides listen to Hello Health and go oh, get some uh, yeah, uh, besides, yeah, besides, besides <laughs> sleep and, and, and listen to, actually, you know, pro tip, you can listen to Carmen as your meditation because her voice is like meditation. So, um, yeah, but I do, I do, I do have some. I did my homework. <laughs> Um, okay. The first one I will say, um, is, um, to, to befriend yourself and to, to get in this habit of speaking words of affirmation over yourself. I think that, you know, as women, oftentimes we get very, very good at, at handing out compliments to other people. Oh my goodness, Carmen, you look amazing. I love your voice. I'm so proud of your business. Oh, is that some silver coming in your hair? It looks amazing. You're such a great Thank mom. Thank you. Thank and you. And then when you turn the mirror on somebody and ask them to say the same things about themselves, they cannot do it. They're like, oh, I have nice wrists. I have, you know, <laughs> they can't really do it, right? And so I, I have a habit, um, a practice uh, where I, 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 I talk to myself. I'll be riding to work and I'll be like, you know what? You are a really good writer. You write things <clears throat> that other people did not think of to write. You're good with people. You're a great mentor. And you know why? It's because you work at it. You know, you may not be the perfect mom, but you but you have kids who trust you and love you. And you know what? That's something to be proud of. You know, you were 43 the first time you ran a distance race. And you have run 15 half marathons and more other races than you can count. And that was because you set a goal and you crushed it. Forget the pace that you're running. You did that, girl. You did it. And you know what? I'm proud of you. So I, 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 I regularly step out of my body and speak words of affirmation over myself. And that is something that takes practice. And I do not say negative things about myself. I let somebody that's a hater, let them do that because they could do a much better job picking me apart than I can. So that's one. Speak words of affirmation um, over yourself. You heard me say the other one already, but I'll say it again. The second is to always center on gratitude. I mean, you know, all the residents know every time I give a lecture, the first slide after my disclosure slide is gratitude. I, I don't wait until the end to thank people. I find something to be grateful for because I feel like not only does it prime them, but it primes me um, before I move forward into what I'm going to do. So, um, you know, today I was doing this workout and it involved flutter kicks, which I hate and jump squats, which I hate. Oh but man! Huh. as I was centering on gratitude, I said, I am 51 and I have legs that can do this and a core after two kids 
that can flutter kick. Even if I can't flutter Heck kick yeah. as long as this person is telling me to flutter kick, <laughs> I can do this, right? Um, so this habit of gratitude, um, it, it is something that I think that if you start doing that, um, the times when you feel, you know, really like you're just not doing well. Like even today I was washing dishes and I was just like, you know what? This is a beautiful home that I live in. And I am so grateful that we have the resources for this home and that I have the morning off so that I can be standing in my kitchen, that my sun drenched kitchen, busting these suds that I told my son to bust before he left. It's not a <laughs> Um, and let me see the last one, um, is, is really about relationships and it's just to be intentional about relationships, you know, um, chance, you know, puts people in your path, you know, chance made you my student on my team those years ago, but, but it is really effort and intention that keep you connected to people. And, um, I, I just, I, I think being intentional about relationships, particularly relationships with women, because I do think women need women to survive. Um, you, you, you must be intentional. So, you know, some people, you know, take pride in saying, oh, I have this friend that like, we cannot talk for forever. And when we get together, it's like no time passed. That's cool. But for anything that matters in our lives, it calls for time over time. You know, if you want to get fit, time over time. You want to run distance, you're going to have to run some every day over time. You cannot jump up and say, you know, I'm going to run 2,021 miles today. <laughs> That's not going to happen, right? And so to build a meaningful relationship with somebody, um, it calls for time over time. So I can't just put my kids in a car and take them to Disney and give them the best weekend ever if I'm ignoring them all the rest of the time. So, um, I think being intentional about, about relationships and then coming up really with an inventory of the ones that matter most to you and working with all your might at those and the ones that give you angst or that do not nourish you, particularly with people that are not related to you. Cause you know, somebody's related yeah. to you. You're going to have to just work that thing out. But <laughs> if they're not related to you, I, I think we spend a lot of energy on non-nourishing relationships that make us feel bad that are optional. I can redefine a relationship. That's okay. Because a solid, clean no without an explanatory comma on it, that makes room for a full-on, unfiltered yes. It is the wow. espresso of yeses, right? So my no's, I say no. You know, no, no. I don't want to do it. No. If somebody's asking me to have lunch with them or do stuff with them, and it is a relationship that does not really nourish me, I'm not mean. But I, I won't, I won't, I, I will kindly decline um, to make space for things. Because I don't want to dread anything optional. That's silly. Why would I be dreading dealing with someone that I don't have to deal with? And when they, if they come to a space where the relationship evolves and it is nourishing, then perhaps, you know, I can, I can allow that. And if they don't want it from me anymore, then I'm going to move on. <laughs> like, life is short. You know, and I, I love the thought of not having regret after, you know, after things, because we know from COVID and from living that life is short. And, you know, I've lost a sibling before I've lost a sister and I have not one single regret about our relationship. All I have to do is miss her. And I just love that. I love knowing that all I have to do is miss my sister because while she was alive, I was all in, she was all in, 
And she knew exactly how I felt about her. And I'm grateful that most people who are important to me or who are in my life in some meaningful way, they know exactly how I feel about them. Not because I say it, but because I'm intentional about showing it. You're making me cry again. I'm crying <laughs> I'm again. My makeup cry. is running. It is not waterproof. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but you look good, though. Look good. <laughs> they can't see, but I see that you look good. Oh, my goodness. Dr. Kimberly Manning, I just want to thank you. You've been a guiding light in my life, whether you know it or not. And I really appreciate you taking the time today to lay down your wisdom because I know you have so much to do. Well, I am so grateful to be here and I'm here because I wish to be here. And I'm (laughs) so thankful for this invitation. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you everybody for listening to Hello Health Today. Please show your support by signing up to receive our newsletter. You can sign up at hellohealthtoday.com. If you're on your cell, you got to scroll all the way down the page to find the right spot. You can also support the show by sharing this episode or providing a review. As always, action steps, contact information, and social handles are posted in the show notes. For example, you can find Kimberly using the Twitter handle at GradyDoctor. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.